0: Hey there, Kelly.
1: Hey there, Gee. Y'all ready for this? Yeah. Acapella. Oh, I just watched pist- Pitch Perfect. Ah.
0: Whoa.
1: <sighs> I, w- I wish words were easier to say. Um, I just watched Pitch Perfect 2 last night. And it was great. Oh, That's my review. My review of Pitch Perfect 2 was that it was so great.
0: Now, Peter Piper picks peppers, but we rock rhymes. Who was it, that?
1: I don't know. Was that from Pitch Perfect? No. It's just a that rap. Was,
0: yeah. Peter Piper picks peppers. I'm actually embarrassed that I can't. Is that Run DMC? It is. I got it. Yes.
1: My review of your rendition of Run DMC's rap is uh two and a half stars
0: it's two and a half stars for me that's pretty bad
1: um i mean you didn't remember all of the lyrics it seemed maybe you did well but i got I it I wrong I so, run okay.
0: rhymes but yeah okay fair enough so two, two and a half. half stars yep. all right leave me a uh, review
1: will do will do i'll leave it on your gi leave raps, it on, leave it on Facebook page
0: facebook please <laughs> That's
1: where everybody goes for reviewing things. Speaking of reviews, I just introduced you to the Hertzler 571 Banana Slicer reviews.
0: Yes. Do you own one of these banana slicers?
1: Um. No, I do not. Okay. I'm assuming you don't because if you had...
0: I would have heard of it.
1: Yeah. And you would have read all the reviews.
0: All 5,700 of them.
1: Yes yes indeed and they're i mean they're just so great uh five stars amazing wow this thing is totally amazing before i bought this i could only slice two bph bananas per hour but with using this i can now slice 1300 to 1500 bph that's the average slicing speed of harvard graduates you know no
0: way no way they're doing 1500 bph
1: yeah 1,500 bananas per hour. I mean, it's it's a real thingy. I How many bananas can you slice per hour?
0: A lot. Way more than two, but by hand even. But no way 1,500. I, are there videos of this 1,500 BPH?
1: No, they didn't include a video with it. That would have made the review more legitimate, because that's the thing about reviews.
0: Fake reviews.
1: Fake reviews, yeah.
0: It's a real problem.
1: How much do you trust reviews?
0: Well, I'm totally poisoned, because you know we do this for a living so i literally look at lawyer reviews almost every day and yeah it's a disaster and nobody seems to want to be accountable for fixing this problem except for one person does
1: one person does he's out there we need to get him a crime fighting uniform like a nice unitard that has i don't know what would what would his superhero name be
0: well, I know that he, somewhere in there, in the uniform, we need to have hashtag Stop Crap on the map.
1: Yes. Yep. That can be like on the fabulous cape that he would wear, just flowing in the breeze. Stop Crap on the map.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's fight. He's out there fighting the good fight.
1: <laughs> he is. He is. I'm. I'm gonna be Jason's sidekick. By the way, that's who we're talking to today, Jason Brown. Um, review What's crime your sidekick fighter name. <laughs> I don't know. We didn't even come up with a a name for him. But anyway, why doesn't everyone leave us a handy dandy review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or anywhere else you can leave a review for a podcast? We're going to see if you're
0: listening. You can leave a review for the (laughs) podcast, but also for my Run DMC rap.
1: um, And also include in there what you think my crime fighting sidekick name should be.
0: That's we'll know if you're listening now.
1: <laughs> exactly. Way to test our audience.
0: And while you're off leaving a review, let's listen in to this latest episode of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Money makes round. It makes go round. Money makes
2: go round. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing with your hosts. Sakalakis and Kelly Street, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice here on Legal Talk Network.
0: Yeah. So welcome everyone to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Today's topic is one that comes up a lot for us. And we are very excited to have, in my opinion, the foremost expert on this topic, Jason Brown, who is the founder of ReviewFraud.org. And we're talking fake reviews as it pertains to the legal sector. And we're going to get into a lot of the details of the, some of the things that we see. But I wanted to take a moment to thank Jason and let Jason tell everybody a little bit about himself Jason Brown
3: uh, thank you gee for that awesome introduction again my name is Jason Brown I have been working in SEO for 13 years now in the last three years I've been focused hyper focused on local SEO in the last two years I've been uh, really looking into uh, fake listings and fake reviews and in the last year or so I've become what was the Google my business top contributor which program which has now been uh, read branded as a product expert. So I help out uh, in my spare time with users that are having issues regarding uh, listing issues or negative reviews or fake positive reviews. So that's kind of who I am and what I like to do.
1: Awesome! I as well am super excited about this. I I'm just so fascinated by the whole review system because on a personal, you know, in my personal life, whenever I'm looking for a restaurant or basically anything, I like most of the rest of the people who use the internet to find things, um, look at reviews. And I always judge what it is that I'm looking for based on the reviews that I find. And negative reviews don't necessarily uh, deter me from using a service. But, you know, you you take a look and you see what's going on there. And so the idea of a review being fake is a little scary to someone like me who uses them so heavily.
3: Oh, I I couldn't agree more. I think as we are getting more hyper-focused and looking at online reviews, they're playing a much larger impact on our buying decisions when we're searching online. And I think one of the scariest things is that we as consumers don't know what business to trust. And just because Google is serving up these 3 packs with listings doesn't mean that a it's a real listing that they're using a real location or that B they're not falsifying their online reviews to make themselves look better in the eyes of a potential searcher.
1: Right.
0: So let's go to the, uh, let's back up because I know we've got listeners who are, this is brand new for them or the, you know, they think reviews they're like, Oh yeah, like on Amazon. Right. And I want to make sure that listeners have a, visual here so if you're listening to this on your phone or at your desktop or laptop uh, go ahead and search any kind of like legal term or legal plus practice area and you'll see uh, likely you'll see uh, some area of the search result will contain listings of law firms that have a section for reviews which we'll get into how those are generated but i think from a visual standpoint A lot of lawyers I talk to, they don't even realize this is like a thing, right? So some of them don't know that they're, oh, you know, my clients never use the internet to hire lawyers like me. And some of them don't even realize that people are already leaving reviews of them. So I kind of wanted to start there uh, on Google so that people know at least one context of what we're talking about and then start to dive into, pick apart some of the things that that we just mentioned, which are one and I'll let Jason talk about this, lawyers or their marketing companies or their competitors or somebody else are oftentimes posting fake reviews there. So let's take it one step at a time. Step one is there are lawyers paying marketing people, whether they know it or not, that are leaving fake reviews on those lawyer profiles. True or false, Jason?
3: (laughs) That is 100% true.
0: And how big of a, in your professional opinion, how big of an issue is this? How widespread maybe?
3: Oh yeah, this is definitely a widespread issue. Uh, Depending on which niche in the legal space we're talking about, especially when it comes to divorce lawyers, bankruptcy, or even worse, personal injury lawyers, that's where we find the most abuse is actually taking place because think about the fact that every potential leader call that's coming in, is going to be a couple hundred dollars worth of a a case. And so everybody is trying to come up with some way that they can distinguish themselves amongst their competitors. And one of the things that people are doing and noticing that it's working really well is to flood their listing with a bunch of fake reviews to A, increase their overall rating so they can go from like a 3.2 average rating to a 4.7 just by dumping in 50 fake reviews. And they all look super glowing. And so then the new consumer is looking at that and going, oh, well, I want to go with the law firm with 97 reviews and a 4.7 rating than the lawyer that's only got three reviews and a five-star rating.
1: And I want to take another kind of step back and thinking about not only what a big problem this is but like how are we defining or how are you defining fake reviews because which maybe that seems like a stupid question no that's a great question actually (laughs) but how are we how are we looking at that how are you defining what's fake versus a real or non-fake review
3: (laughs) Sure, sure, great great question and clarification. So, a fake review is any review that is left for a business that was not left by an actual client or a consumer or potential client. So, a lot of people think, you know, that a review is not legitimate if somebody didn't do business with you, and Google's pretty much saying as long as you had the intention of hiring that company, you are able to leave that review and as and as long as you've had like a personal interaction. So, when we're looking at fake reviews, we're looking at lawyers that are exchanging reviews with other lawyers. And so that's typically the first thing that we saw a lot of What is where one law firm is reviewed by 17 different lawyers. And it's just kind of like, hey, a little tit for tat, you review me, I'll review you. The next one is, you know, they're using a marketing company to create a fake profile, a fake persona and I see everything from people creating Miley Cyrus's name and her image to leave reviews for a bunch of lawyers in different states or several bus- several different businesses in multiple states or in different countries. So that's what a, a fake review is of anybody that it was, again, not an actual customer that is leaving the review just to make your overall rating look better. And this can also be your friends and family. So you a lot of times they're like, hey, you're you're my friend, you're my family. Will you leave me reviews to give me a good jump start? Well, since they're not a customer and had no interaction with your business per se, yeah, they might be able to recommend you as a great lawyer, but they shouldn't be leaving you a review since they can't judge your services. Oh right. yes,
1: I have actually um, worked for a company where someone left a negative review. It was completely just, and it you know should should have been there. They had a bad experience, and so then. Uh, email blast went out to a whole group of friends of the owner saying hey will you quit go online and go to our yelp listing and leave a positive review we got this bad one and we can't have that and of course you know several people did it and uh just just gave you a little bit of an icky icky feeling in the pit of my stomach
0: not attorney sync though
1: no, no, this okay. was Okay, <laughs> all right. Just checking, make Sorry. Sure the this was uh, probably about eight years ago. So was not.
0: So there was a nuanced point in there too that Jason made that I wanted to kind of let pick apart a little bit. The platforms have different guidelines about what's okay and what's not okay, right?
3: That is correct. So Yelp has actually made it a violation of their terms of service to actually solicit any review. So if you get caught asking for any Yelp review they will come in and go ahead and flag the account and they can put this nice little nasty warning that'll last on your page for up to 90 days or longer if they catch you soliciting reviews. Google is, is completely different. They try not to get into the middle of review disputes. So if you say, hey, this isn't a customer of mine, they're not gonna get involved in it. They're gonna look at the crux of the review itself to see if any, any part of the review is violating their terms of service which is why we have the product expert forum. So that way we can kind of go a little bit deeper into the review and the profile to start seeing if we can find some of the spam tactics that we normally typically see with fake review networks.
1: Okay. uh, But I I know what you said about Yelp, but I have seen, and maybe this is just if they find out the practice they that they're doing this, they punish the company. I have been at restaurants where either on their Yelp page, they say, leave a review, show us that you left a review for $5 off, like a little coupon, or they have a thing like that in the restaurant that says that. And so is that acceptable?
3: No, that's not acceptable. So actually, the FTC actually covers online reviews, which I think a lot of people don't really realize. And so they have a whole policy on the FTC's website about what can be done. And it's actually covered under the ad protocols. And so the problem is, is when you're getting a discounted service for leaving a review, you're supposed to, as a consumer, say, I received a $5 discount or I received a free dessert for leaving this review. Well, the normal, typical consumer doesn't know the FTC guidelines, and so that's why the FTC is just kind of has come in and said, "Look, you you can't do that." And Google and Yelp look at it too. They're like, "Look, so this violates the, the FTC's policies. It is also a violation of our terms of service." And so, any company that's doing the the contests and the gimmicks, and I see it, I'll see it with like an iPad giveaway. Hey, leave us a review, enter a drawing. The problem is, is it just takes that one advertisement to get turned over to Yelp or to Google. And both platforms will come in and wipe out all of your reviews without even thinking twice about it. Hmm.
1: So something like a lawyer or law firm could violate that by saying something like, we won't charge you for your consultation if you leave us a positive review.
3: Correct. Or they could say, leave us a review and we'll give you tickets to a Michigan football game. You know, uh, if you can enter enter our drawing, I thought you'd like
1: that. You would definitely leave a review for tickets. Uh, If you
0: want, if you want to review for tickets, just let just, here's my email. Just kidding. I think the other thing too, that I'll add just for a little bit extra flavor on this that's specific for lawyers is that lawyers have very specific professional, uh, rules ethics rules, rules of professional conduct. I was blanking on that. And in fact, this is, to me, this is a no-brainer, falls under false and misleading advertising. And so if you're listening to this and you have somebody that's out there doing anything on your behalf in the review space, you better get very familiar with your, your state's rules of professional conduct because this can be a grievance issue. I mean, this can be a ethics violation i mean it's, i think it's pretty obvious that it is in most states and so you know in some areas you can, depending on the implementation it can be a little bit gray but the obvious quid pro quo review stuff is like a no-brainer and unfortunately just like you know i think jason will talk about in in the more general online review space in, in legal the enforcement mechanism is inconsistently applied and there's not a lot of resources there so you see lots of lawyers doing this stuff but there's some serious consequences, whether it's uh, having, you know, as, as, you know, depending on what you think is most valuable from your reviews getting taken down to your listing getting suspended to an FTC problem to losing your license type of thing.
3: Yeah, that's correct. So, yeah, worst case scenario, it would be handled by the FTC or you could be prosecuted by state attorney generals. And depending on what state you're in, depends on how. uh how, how much uh, weight you're going to get from the state attorney general? Now, New York state attorney general loves to sue businesses for violating the consumer protection act. So I, I see the you know I see them coming down, cracking down hard on on law firms. So you got to think about okay, well it could be the state AG, it could be the local DA, or it could be the bar association and you could be sanctioned or lose your license. And I don't think, and I don't think lawyers realize that they can actually be disbarred for this highly illegal practice.
0: Right. And a lot of times it's like they hired some marketing company and the marketing company goes out and does this stuff. And then they're like, then they're like, Oh, I was surprised, but guess what? If you're paying them to do something, there's a good chance that under the application of the ethics rules, you're going to be accountable for what you paid these people to do. So, You know, ignorance is not a, an excuse and, uh, yeah, it's not, certainly not, well, maybe it's bliss, but it's certainly not, uh, you're not going to get yourself out of trouble for this stuff. And so, you know, make sure that you're having these conversations with anybody who's doing marketing on your firm's behalf, that you're following guidelines, you're familiar with the FTC guidelines, you're familiar with your state's rules as they pertain to testimonials and that kind of stuff, important stuff here.
1: Okay, I just want to ask, Jason, on the ignorance is uh, not bliss idea. So, you have on reviewfraud.org, you have um, several of your interviews with news organizations talking about fake reviews and review fraud. And one of the clips on there, was an interview with a plastic surgeon, I believe, in LA, who his company was caught using fake reviews. And he completely claimed ignorance. And what I'm wondering, do you really think that these businesses are ignorant? Like, how often do you think they really don't know this is going on? Or are they just claiming ignorance to try to have a little bit less bad PR?
3: Uh, yes. Yeah, so that was uh, my favorite celebrity dentist, uh, Dr. Rodney Renan. And yeah, he, he played ignorant. But he, the problem was, is when you went to his Yelp page, these quote unquote patients of his were actually posting photos with the good doctor and the good doctor or somebody associated with the account was also replying to the reviews. But yeah, they always play ignorance. Oh, I don't know anything about that, because I mean, look, who's. It's like a kid with their hand caught in the cookie jar. They're, not, they're always going to say it's not my hand in the cookie jar. You know, you're not you're not seeing that correctly. It it wasn't me. Crumbs all over the face. Nobody really wants to fess up and say, okay, look, I did this. I'm responsible. I, I fully well knew what that fake reviews were being posted. I've only had one business that actually confessed. Not only did they confess, they actually turned over the documentation from the marketing company responsible for it. Because they just wanted to not be exposed on national news, so yeah, they, they're going to yeah. play ignorance just because they don't they don't want to get caught. And you know, and the problem is, is they're the ones paying the, they're they're footing the bill for the service, so they can't really say that you know they don't know anything about it. It nine times out of ten, it's covered in their contracts that they're signing with the company because you're not going to get into a, into a contract with a marketing company without having Specific breakdown of services that you're going to receive. So they're like, Yeah, we're, you're going to get you this many links, or we're going to get you this many Facebook likes, or we're going to get you this many leads, or, you know, and we're going to perform all these services. They're always going to say, Well, we're going to guarantee you X amount of reviews. And so you can easily see in your contract that, you know, you are paying for a review solicitation or falsifying review services
1: got it that's what i was that's what i was thinking is there has to be something i don't know gee do you know have we had any either clients or lawyers that are in your universe that have said oh my gosh i found out that they were soliciting fake reviews and i just caught them
0: it's rare i mean it, it's happened usually usually this is how it goes down somebody a competitor will either report hopefully if they're give the professional courtesy. They'll contact the lawyer and be like, Hey, you know, this is going on. We wanted you to know, but oftentimes too, they'll get a message from the platform that someone like Jason has done some investigating and found some issues. So that's usually how it comes through is, is that they don't realize it. And so like maybe their listing got suspended or maybe they got a notification or something that's going on. In my experience, a lot of the agreements, they hide this kind of stuff in the reputation management services blanket. So it might not say, you know, it's rare that you see a contract that says, we're going to go out and generate X number of fake reviews. But they, if they, like Jason said, if they commit to a number of, like, how can you commit to a number of of authentic reviews? It's impossible. Like you have no idea how many reviews you're going to get if they're actually organic. You can't be like, I'm yeah. going to give you 10 reviews. Like how do you, know? You I don't even know if I'm going to have 10 customers this month. Right. Um, but it's usually in the, the reputation management stuff. I think another side of the coin too, because I think we've done a lot of the, you know, how serious this problem is and that it's widespread and that there's big repercussions, you know, tactically and constructively, we should probably give listeners some advice about how to do this the right way and what to do when they see this happening for local packs from their competitors. You know, so, you know, my, one of the things that we do is, is that, you know, for our clients, uh, if we see someone that's a violator, you know, our obligation is to our client. And so we'll take steps to try to get the spam, whether it's a review or a listing or whatever, removed, because obviously if that happens, then you reshuffle the pack and you have a better chance of us coming up. But Jason, what do you recommend business owners, lawyers to do in terms of where permissible, how to actually try to positively impact getting authentic real reviews um are you into the uh you know some of these tools that help you you know obviously and we can talk about this too is like you can't do the review gating anymore which I think is an important thing to talk about because I know a lot of lawyers like the idea of only sending happy clients to leave reviews anyway I'm kind of rambling here let's talk positive tactical how do you do this stuff
3: yeah so right i got to say you don't want to do the review gating schemes those are not going to work for you. So the problem is, is with review gating is you're making sure that only a four and five star customers are going to be requested to leave that feedback on online. Google has reiterated this policy that it's against their terms of service to do that. So if somebody gives you a three-star review, they have to have that opportunity to leave that review on your Google listing. Um, but look, here's the, here's the problem with review gating. If there's an issue and you have a deficiency with your customer base, you want to know about that. Otherwise, if you just keep trying to just d- deter all the negative reviews from being posted and you don't act on that feedback because it's actually valid feedback, you're going to end up being like this one restaurant that I dealt with that kept posting fake reviews every month. They finally had to end up closing because of their poor reputation. They pushed all the local people away from the restaurant. So you you want that negative feedback so you can figure out how to better improve. It's actually an opportunity to grow instead of just kind of something to shy away from. And look, and if Google finds out that you're review gating, they're going to come back and they're going to knock out all of your reviews back to last February when they made this policy reclarification. Now, if you want to solicit positive reviews, there's some really good great platforms out there. I am good friends with the team over at GatherUp. They have an awesome system. I recommend looking into them from a price point standpoint. They will get you exactly what you're needing. But ultimately, you're going to find out what your customers actually think of you as a business. And there's a lot of value in that to figure out where are your strengths so that you can continue to, to push those and where are you deficient so you can actually fix those areas so you can actually be a better service to your potential clients
0: what an idea actually fix the service as opposed to trying to fake reviews and make you look better than you actually are providing service that's some excellent advice that i think i know everybody will benefit from so hopefully they take it to heart
1: Well, I don't mean to be all psychology on this, but I think the thing that everybody or most people can kind of agree on with lawyers is that they're typically people who were high performing and uh, were told because they were highly intelligent or more highly performing. I mean, of course, there are not those people out there, but um, typically fell into that category. And so not having perfect reviews is quite the, the ego bruise and And so realistically, it's it's hard to think about not having a perfect score or or that sort of thing. So I can appreciate why review gating happens, but i I really appreciate what Jason had to say about that it's an opportunity. i r- I really like that,
3: yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, here's the thing. We all want to be perfect. And when you're doing review monitoring, and we actually do it for a lot of our clients, it can actually start to take a toll on, on your psyche. And we also, we noticed that after a while we were kind of getting like, you know, super bitter and angry. So yeah, getting negative feedback is not a great thing and it's, and it can really do, do a damage on you. But at the same time, if you can't look at what's causing those negative reviews to come in and correct that ship, it's just going to be a vicious cycle. It's just going to continue to keep going. And it took our, you know, urging with our client to say, Hey, look, these are the pain points that need to be addressed. And we finally got those pain points addressed so that we can get rid of those negative reviews, what was actually causing it. So,
0: yeah, I think, uh, you know, in response to the point that Kelly made, I don't have the study at hand, but I know Amazon, they did a big study on, Uh, the impact of reviews that weren't all five stars. And I think that they could, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're listening to this and you want to tweet at me later that I'm wrong, it's fine. But I recall that the consumers recognize that there's more authenticity baked in when they see a variation in reviews, right? So part of this is, everybody loves the idea of all perfect reviews, everything's glowing, but there's a certain lack of authenticity when you have just positive reviews or, you know, even worse, I think if it's obvious to a consumer that the reviews are fake, like you're already communicating that you're not that trustworthy in the first place. Right. So like I see some of these reviews where I've, and, you know, in fairness, my, because we do this and we see this all the time, my lens of looking at these reviews is probably different than the average consumers, but you can tell right away the lawyers or any business, uh, when they, you see these fake reviews and, you know, immediately I'm like put on the, oh, I probably don't want to work with them because if they're willing to fake these reviews, they're probably willing to make some other decisions that are not the most sound, perhaps even as my lawyer or business service provider.
3: Right. And that's correct. And there's been quite a few studies and Bright Local is actually uh, the leading expert on online review stats. And they've actually... Found with consumer studies that consumers are looking are wanting to see multiple aspects when it comes to reviews. So, one, they want to look at uh, the frequency of reviews. So, consumers are more forgiving of reviews that are three months or older. Uh, they also know that not every business is going to be 100% perfect, and you're not going to be able to please everybody. And they're actually going to look take time to look at the reviews and see what people are actually saying to see if it actually is a valid and legitimate complaint or if it's just somebody that's just super picky. And here's the other thing. They're also going to look at the business's review replies. And if you are coming in just completely upset and you just have a nasty tone in that reply, well, potential customers are going to see that reply and they're going to judge your business more on your reply than actually what was in the negative review so you actually have an opportunity to a educate the general public as to who you are and you can use it as like as a sales technique and i don't i think a lot of people don't think about a negative review as a sales technique but this is where you can put your best foot forward and say you know what we're really sorry that you felt that way we really want to address this and perform better if you could contact us uh, we would love to discuss this with you so we can learn how we can provide a better service. Now, any potential customer that sees that and go, oh, wow, they actually care and want to do better. That's going to have a much better effect than, yeah, I called and the receptionist was super snotty and didn't seem like she had the t- wanted to give me the time of day. Well, now they're able to see that you do care, you do want to give them the time of day, and you find their complaint, you personalized it.
0: Exactly.
1: Yes. Okay. So there's something that I'm a little hesitant to bring up because I don't want to set off an alarmist, um, <laughs> uh, a big fear for people that this is something that happens regularly, but it came up at a conference that was at last summer, a lawyer, um, asked me what he's supposed to do about a fake negative review that his firm had. He said, look, there's this review on our Google My Business listing and I know we've never worked with them. I have no idea who they are. It's kind of a nonsensical review and it's clearly fake. I've reported it. I don't know what to do. And so I I say all of this and I ask uh, Jason's advice for this, with the disclaimer that this is incredibly rare and is not something that happens. Because as soon as that lawyer asked that, another lawyer jumped up and he was like, "How can we sue Google to stop these things from happening?" So <laughs> there we right. go. Right, uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. Okay, so here's here's the rub. So Google allows users to use an alias. So when people are setting up their Gmail account, they can actually use an alias, which makes it really super tough to be able to determine if it really was a legitimate customer or not, if they, you know, can call themselves Kelly Clarkson uh, or, you know, or or any, any other name. And it's usually like less than 5% of fake reviews are actually the, the negative review attacks. Now there are some lawyers that I've been seeing this issue happening a lot with in New Hampshire, for some reason, somebody is just, just hell bent on destroying all these lawyers in New Hampshire, but it doesn't happen all that frequently with lawyers. Usually when people are spending money for fake reviews, they're trying to do the positive ones. Now, if you do get a negative review, the best practice for Google, my business is to flag that review in your dashboard and wait up to three days. If you don't get the response you want, then I recommend that you, use social support. You can tweet to at Google My Biz, or you can go to Facebook and go to Google My Business. You can, ask, you can uh, ask them a question and say, hey, I've got this negative review. Would you mind taking a look at it? If uh, on Twitter, you need to follow them back, but all the communication will be done in private messages. Or you can go to the Google My Business uh, community forum as well, and go to the, the spam topic and start a new thread and post your business name, address, telephone number, website, and then the user name and link to it. and Say, "Hey, this person we don't know. Please, can you take a look at that this and see if this can be reviewed, can be reviewed and removed?" I'd say three out of ten times they can usually be removed, but a lot of the time, a lot of the cases we're just sit, we're going to sit there as experts and say, "Yeah, you don't, you're not going to be able to get this removed." you want to take a step further then you would need to go and subpoena Google for the records to the identity of the user that posted that review to actually see if it's a, a legitimate person or if it's a competitor just trying to trash you.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing that I would add is in the legal context, again, remember rules, of professional conduct, remember that your obligations on client confidentiality and that kind of stuff still apply when you're replying to reviews. And so I think Jason gave some great advice earlier, which is if you're getting whether it's a real or fake review, take a breath, don't respond emotionally, and then you know something like, "Hey, we if it's Kelly Clarkson or Clarkson or whatever it is." Um, sorry, not a huge, i'm not, not a fan. But in any event, if it's an anonymous review or it's a review you can't identify, say, "Hey." you know i'm not sure that you are i can't identify you in our client list but i'm really sorry you've had this experience you know please contact us so that we can discuss your issue that kind of stuff but be careful about putting reviews or reviewers real or fake on blast if it turns out that it's actually a client of yours and you reveal a confidence or you violate a rule of professional conduct or whatever You're going to create more problems for yourself and think about, you know, the the other advice we always give is don't think about this specific review. Think about the next potential client or the next potential clients that are going to come and look you up or, you know, people that refer you clients and what the impact is of your response on them when they go to see that. Because again, you know, when I look at these things and I see these lawyers that are either Violating client confidences or putting people on blast—it just makes me have a bad feeling about them. Not necessarily that they had this fake review or negative review or whatever it is.
3: Right, that's correct. And also, so you got to think about the Strizan effect. And when you're trying right. to put somebody on blast or deter them from, you know, keeping that review live by either doxing them by providing their, you know, private and personal information online it's going to have a ripple effect where they're going to get so upset that they're going to share that with other people. And next thing you know, you're going to become like, you know, some of these businesses that, you know, make the news and go viral for all the wrong reasons. And I've seen it happen where somebody upsets the wrong person. And it turned out to be somebody that actually works for a marketing company or working in PR and they use their press contacts to, get the story on the news and it just became a whole, you know, worst case scenario. So like, yeah, like he said, take a deep breath, take the emotion out of it and just be as apologetic as possible. Even if they are completely wrong and you would rather them never be a customer again, you got to think about how that's going to look for any bystander is going to come across that response and they're going to, cause they're going to judge you by it. And you want to just like you would do in court where you want to put on the best defense, you definitely want to put on the best defense when it comes to online reviews.
0: Right. And by the way, back to Kelly's example, good luck suing Google for this. They, so far, my, I, I know that there is a push to have the platforms take on more accountability for the content in general, but also particularly with this relates to reviews. And, um, we're a long way away, I think, from courts holding the platforms accountable. They want to, you know, again, they want people to have the ability to, consumers to express their good and bad about businesses they interact with. And um, so far, I, I don't, I don't think you. that's a, what do they say? That dog won't hunt. Is that a saying still? Yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, if for everybody, anybody out there who's just like fuming about this right now and they're like, oh, we should, you know, have more accountability. Email Kelly. I mean, think, uh, yeah, <laughs> email me. No, uh, well, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't do anything about it. Um, I mean, th- there is this thing where we we all want to be able to put a review on any business that we interact with and have that review stand and so there comes some bad with that, and it's not it's not a ton of bad, but there you know, there's more good than bad out there, but it does have a downside, just like everything else. So you do what you can to combat it. and you have people like Jason out in the world who are fake review crime fighters. and um, it's you do what you can.
0: Kelly's actually way more optimistic about this whole problem than I am. I think it's a total cesspool disaster. <laughs> um, and I would love to see more accountability from the publishers and from the platforms on this stuff because, you know, on the one hand, number one, the consumer harm issue is my biggest concern, right? So, like, I just talked to uh, Josh King um, when he was still with Avo You know, you got people making decisions about the lawyers they're hiring based on these reviews, whether that's a sound consumer decision or not is a different subject for a different day. But, you know, someone graduates law school, they go out, they get 100 positive fake reviews on their profile and someone hires them. And they have this. these people have no idea how to actually, um, they're not competent to represent the people that are hiring them. And so that, that's for sure a false and misleading communication, which is, again, lawyers should be losing their licenses for that kind of stuff, in my opinion. Um, but two, you know, because we know that this is going on. And the state bars aren't equipped to do it. And the FTC really, you know, they have the resources they have. In my view, it's a huge problem. It's eroding consumer confidence, it's creating the opportunity for consumer harm. Anyway, that's my yeah. little rant about I mean, it. don't
1: get me wrong. I think there needs to, absolutely needs to be more accountability, especially from Google's part. And that is another one of the things I wanted to ask Jason about because I saw that you had an interview where you talked about that you think, Jason, you think that Google will get better about their accountability in the coming year. Uh, yeah. So um, <laughs> <laughs> Pin our hopes on okay. you.
3: Well, okay. So here's the thing. So I am covered by an NDA with Google, so I can't go into specifics of what Google is eyeing. Where I'm skeptical if they can actually do it. I honestly, I'm I'm more with along the lines of Gee, and I think it's going to take an act of Congress. Like I think Congress is going to have to start policing these platforms because I don't really fully. Feel that they can police themselves. It's kind of become abundantly clear as I've been dealing with this for two years and watching how they willy nilly enforce you know which business listings they're going to go ahead and remove. Now it's not just you know fake reviews. It's also lawyers that are creating uh, you know fake listings. They're doing the keyword stuffing, so they're you know trying to do anything they can to dominate their market. And then the fake reviews is just kind of like a little added byproduct of it. I'm going to be curious to see how this Pittsburgh case is actually going to play out where a client is actually suing the law firm because they selected them based on all their reviews. And I took a look at the law firm and it's it's abundantly obvious that these were not legitimate reviews, that they were using some form of service, whether it was their marketing company or not. So I'm kind of curious to see how this is going to play out and if this is going to kind of help bring about the needed changes for consumers because bottom line at the end of the day, it's the consumers that are that are losing out when it comes to the fake online reviews.
0: I'm glad you brought that case up because that is, you know, in this legal internet space for, you know, going on 10 years now, the battle cry from the publishers and platforms and lead gen companies is always show me the case of consumer harm. And they never and they haven't been able to really do it. And whether that's been, I think there's a variety of reasons for that. But this one is, this is a lawsuit where the plaintiff's saying, I was harmed. I relied on these reviews. And I think that that's going to change the nature of some of these conversations, especially in the uh, state bar regulator meetings. It's like, now we've got the case. Now we can see it's consumer carbon. And like you said, it's going to be state AGs. It's going to be consumer protection statutes. And Ultimately, I think, you know, federally, obviously, it's going to take something more like Congress, unfortunately, uh, because uh, it's, a. I mean, it's a, it's a real problem.
3: Yeah. And there's, a, yes. there's a dentist and there's a dentist right now in Chicago that is suing a patient for having a negative review. And they said that, you know, they totally, you know, trashed and their, their online reputation. And I look at their their reviews, and they're all fake. I mean, whether you're looking at, at Google, you're looking at their Facebook, or you're looking at their Yelp reviews, they're all fake. And so this consumer was actually harmed because they actually took their kid to this dentist for uh, you know for dental work, and the dentist should not have been doing dental work uh, according to to all the negative reviews that look 100% legitimate. So they, we are starting to see more and more cases of of consumer uh, harm. Uh, there was a case just over the weekend in the UK where a plumber left a bunch of people, you know, without services and walked off the job after receiving money, you know, and now, you know, they had a bunch of fake listings under fake names and flooded the market with fake reviews. So we're we are now seeing more and more cases of uh, sadly of of consumer fraud. So I think it's just going to exacerbate the, uh, the need for the government to finally wake up and sit there and say, OK, we need to start policing these platforms because it's obvious that they can't police themselves.
1: There you go, everyone. There is a new legal practice niche out there, right. <laughs> policing the fake reviews and helping with consumer protection as far as reviews go. That actually seems like a very forward looking practice area.
0: Yeah, we just created a new practice area here, here on lunch hour legal marketing.
1: <laughs> Both.
0: <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure lawyers are already. I'm sure this is already going on. I mean, I guarantee there are lawyers that are already looking at this.
3: Yeah, there there are there's there are lawyers that are looking at this. They've hired you know uh, PIs to you know do their due diligence and subpoena Google and get the IPs and put together you know the presentations. But I actually I, I spent my weekend documenting an issue where somebody's Google My Business listing got completely compromised. And they went from being a medical doctor to a garage door company. And based upon the email address that was connected to the account, I was able to find a whole slew of fake listings and review swap networks. And it just took me, you know, two hours to document this whole thing. So, There is definitely a a market for it, um, for consumer protection. And you know what? It's a great, easy lawsuit to do if you can show that a consumer was actually harmed, selected a business, and all the reviews were fake and they were taken advantage of. And you know what? When that case reaches the national media, your name is now synonymous with these cases.
1: Man, if Reply All, the podcast, um, has not done a fake review episode, they could do some really cool things with all the things you're just talking about. That is amazing. And I also have to give a shout out, Jason, to your onreviewfraud.org. That fake review spreadsheet and company list you have is amazing. I mean, the Thousands of companies that you have compiled who are violating and and have fake reviews is just super cool. I spent like 10 minutes going through it and trying to find, because I live in Minnesota, find all the uh, Minnesota companies on there. And I was like, oh, and there's a law firm.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. When I was putting together my list, I actually found a business that was actually two blocks away from where I live, and I was just like, okay, that's kind of it, it. It's really scary when you see how close to home that it is, and yeah, I mean, here's the thing: you don't know if the business just down the street is actually on the list or engaging in, in fake reviews. So, and there's a lot of lawyers on on that list that shouldn't be trusted by consumers. So.
0: Well, as we're uh, wrapping this up, I just wanted to say thank you again to Jason so much for joining us today. I think this is a very important topic that a lot of uh, listeners will benefit from. Jason, if people want to learn more about this or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
3: Sure. They can uh, follow me on Twitter at KaiserHoliday, or they can easily shoot me an email info at And I would be happy to speak with them in, in better detail.
0: Awesome thanks again so much uh listeners thank you for spending the time with us today Uh, we hope you find this valuable and as always if you have questions or feedback please don't hesitate to reach out and if you're not already doing so be sure to subscribe to lunch hour legal marketing on all of the podcast places like itunes stitcher spotify now as well let's get to the interview or that
1: was so weird and awkward
0: (laughs) i know it's it's our preferred way all right let's do it for real let's get to the interview
1: you didn't (laughs) why can't you say that with a normal why can't you just say and now let's get to the interview (laughs) like
0: And now let's get to the interview.
1: You always sound like you're not sure if it's actually gonna happen after that.
0: Let's get to the interview.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Should we do the interview? Let's We already
1: We already did the interview.
0: Get to the interview. Jason Brown.
1: Oh, that was so oh that was good. That was great. That'll be the
2: and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at legaltalknetwork.com. We'll see you there.